come to this happy place, welcome. Welcome to the Magic Behind the Ears podcast with your host, owner of Bean Parkology, Jerry Cornell, and co-host, author of Discovering the Magic Kingdom, Joshua Schaefer. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Magic Behind the Ears podcast. I am going to be introducing this episode by myself as Jerry is down in Disneyland getting footage for his next documentary. Last year, I was interviewed on a podcast called Living the Dream Podcast. The host was Krista Joy and the co-host was Jerry. They aren't producing any more podcasts about Disneyland and offered this unaired episode to us. I hope you enjoy it. Our guest today has spent his adult life frequenting Disneyland. As a hobby, he spends much of his spare time researching and investigating to find out the facts, not just the rumors, on a variety of topics. He's been a cartoonist and an artist since the age of 10. He's also the author, photographer, and illustrator of Discovering the Magic Kingdom. Joshua Schaefer, Jerry, and I want to welcome you to Living the Dream podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Joshua, tell us about your love for Disney and how that all began. Well, I didn't actually start going to Disneyland until I was an adult at around 21 years old. I had gone when I was three and again when I was 16, but I didn't really get into it. But when I was 21, I went for the first time as an adult and it was it was it was amazing because I was seeing all this stuff that tied to my childhood like you know, all those cartoons that I'd watched growing up. And I got a season pass that first time I went. And around 2006, I started learning fun facts about the park. And I decided to start writing them down. And then I decided to type them on the computer. And then I would print them out and take them with me to talk to people in line and make friends. Then I decided, what if I just make this a little booklet? So I started researching fun facts purposefully online, like searching for Disneyland fun facts, which back in 2006 wasn't, they weren't all over the place yet because the internet was still, you know, it was like eight years old then. So there weren't bloggers yet. Uh, MySpace was a thing, but Facebook wasn't around yet. So um, I decided to just make it a little pamphlet, but then I just started getting way too much information and that's when I decided to make it a book and then I decided to add in other stuff besides fun facts to it. And then after four and a half years of researching and writing, it got published in October 2010. It was really like an evolution. That's awesome. So yeah. Step by step. That's so cool. Well, um, before we really start diving into the book, I wanted to mention, too, you wrote a really cool article that uh, was published in the Disneyana newsletter. We're going to post a link to that in the show notes for everybody. Can you can you tell everybody what that was about? Sure. Um, last year, the week of MouseCon up in uh, Concord, 
California. I got an email from Gina Rock, and she was Tinkerbell in Disneyland where she would fly across the castle during the fireworks. Well, I had posted a fun fact about Tiny Klein uh, being the first flying Tinkerbell in the park, and I followed it up with the other three fairies that took her place, which was Mimi Zerbini and... Judy Kay and then Gina Rock. And that was the end of my fun fact. And she emailed me. She's like, how did you know I did that? Where did you know? How did you find out? And I think I found out about it from Margaret Carey because she knows like everything having to do with Tinkerbell. So I emailed her back and said, oh, I uh, I learned about you from uh, another Tinkerbell. And she said, I am writing a children's book and I want you to write an article about me. And I said, oh, that'd be awesome. I would love to interview you. So we had a hour and 20-minute phone call, and I asked her tons of questions. And she talked a lot about what she's doing now since she retired as Tinkerbell and a little bit before that. And I turned it into a Q&A article. And I talked to um, the Disneyana when I was there in February, and they said that they would like to publish it in their newsletter. So I finished it up and sent it over, and they published it. That's a great article, too. I really, really love, love the article. Very a, nice. There was a lot of editing of it after I put it together because she she had a lot to say. And what I had to do was put all of her information pertaining to a question in one spot. So I, I made up her answers with the information she gave me. And then I'd send it to her for her to look at and say, OK, that looks good. And then I'd move on from there. And we had to change some dates or somebody, you know, add somebody's name into it because she wanted to make sure everybody knew about her Tinkerbell team, the people who helped her when she got discovered and she first moved up because she was Tinkerbell in the park from 1983 until 2005, which is the longest flying Tinkerbell in Disneyland's history. She didn't start doing that until she was 27. So she retired when she was 50 years old and she started working for an insurance company that was contracted through FEMA. And her first job that she went to do was um, Hurricane Katrina. And right now, as we're speaking, she's actually in Texas during the, uh, for the flooding. Um, she figures out um, the value of houses, uh, property damage, and stuff like that. But she started working with children um, doing what's called picture therapy, um, where they would draw pictures of their houses being flooded or a tornado or... Uh, there was one family that was stuck up on their roof and a helicopter, a military helicopter, had to fly in and rescue them from their roof. And uh, that's actually the picture she's going to use for her cover. But it's an amazing book. I've seen some of the pictures. It's going to be great once it comes out. Well, we definitely need to look out for that that um, that book. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your book? I want to hear about your book and what's in it and uh, some of the details that went into that. Well, it's 220 pages long. It has about a thousand fun facts in it. And it's not just stuff about Disneyland because without Disney, the animated movies or feature films, there wouldn't be Disneyland. So there's a whole section about uh, movie fun facts and the history of filmmaking and uh, Walt's Nine Old Men. There's the the animators that worked on the projects, you know, because without the animators, there wouldn't be the movies. And then when Disney started making the park, he started having his animators move to the three dimensional realm of designing attractions. And that was a, that was a first because there was no schooling for theme park attractions back then. Walt was breaking some serious ground when he did that. 
So I just it I just tied everything together. I went all over the place to find information. I read through lots of other books. I did find some blogging sites. There's I watched videos, interviews with people who worked at Disneyland. I talked to people at Disneyland. It was just there's just information from everywhere. And I love IMDb. I go there all the time to find out connections between movies and actors, voice actors, um, even animators that worked on the films. It's, there's a lot of stuff in there. How to use fast passes, how to save money, best time to plan to go on a trip. I originally had a the section in there on how to get through Disneyland in one day. But since they started enforcing the fast pass times recently, uh, you can't really follow it. well and eventually i think you guys are gonna move over to a more electronic system instead of the legacy fast pass it's kind of like what we have at disney world so it's it's a little more strict yeah the magic bands yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i know the answer to this question i love the design of your book but um can you just talk about how portable it is can people take the book to disneyland with them yes i actually designed it to fit in a backpack because this is also before iPhones and you can have an ebook in your pocket. Uh, I made it so it could fit in your backpack. So it's the size of a sheet of paper, just 220 pages long. I actually took it with me last time I was in the park. And there's backpacks now, especially mine, has a zipper section for a laptop. And I just kept it in there so nothing else rubbed against it. It didn't get wet or from water bottles or anything like that. So. Um, it worked out really well. Now I do have an ebook for it. So if people do want to carry it around on their phones in their pocket, it's a great conversational piece because you get in line for Haunted Mansion and you can just read about Haunted Mansion while you're standing in line. That's really cool. That's really cool. Does your book cover any lost attractions such as the people movers, sky buckets, uh, things like that? It does. I don't have like fun facts about the the past attractions, but there is a full listing of all the attractions that I could find in the back of the book. There's even some stuff that I couldn't find a an end date to. There used to be a singing group called the Shoeshine Boys and on Main Street, and I couldn't find like any information about them when they stopped singing. I found out when they started, but I couldn't find out an end time or even photos of them. Well, and that kind of um, leads to my next question. Did you did you um, learn anything new when you wrote the book that maybe surprised you? I know we all think we're kind of experts, but did you learn some new stuff? I I learned I learned new stuff every single day. I learned stuff earlier <laughs> yeah, today. Me too. Because <laughs> I got a I got a Pirates of the Caribbean book in the mail, and I was reading that today, and I thought I knew everything about Pirates of the Caribbean, but there is a lot that I didn't know. Like I didn't know that there used to be a restaurant where a haunted mansion is right now and it looked it was an antebellum style house and right now haunted mansion sitting in that exact same spot and it was only there for seven years before they ripped it down to build the haunted mansion but i just found out about that yesterday and i had no idea before that i mean the original jungle cruise didn't have uh comedic scenes with the animals it was more serious and they ran it like a true life nature which i did know that but in 1961, Walt had Mark Davis come over and start working on Disneyland attractions. And the first thing he put him on was Jungle Cruise. And he designed the elephant pool, which they added in 1962. And to do that, they had to expand out the river. And there used to be a gazebo area where New Orleans Square is right now. And that took away part of that park area. 
and kind of shifted their plans because they were going to add uh, the New Orleans Square stuff was actually going to be part of Frontierland, not its own land. And then they totally had to shift everything around. And I didn't know any of that stuff until <laughs> yesterday. Was there a section in your book that you found that was uh, very complicated to do? <sighs> Let's see. I don't know. A lot of the uh, the information was out. A lot of it was just putting it together, like finding out how things were connected because there's connections that I made in my book that nobody has made out there. And I mean, I know a lot of people don't like going to Wikipedia, but it's a great springboard for information. Like if you need to know where to start to look, because you can research facts from Wikipedia to find out if they're true. You can find pictures of things. So when I would, I would go to Wikipedia to find out um, just like where to start. And it would say something about, an attraction's past. So I would go to like Google images and I would try to find pictures from 1965 when a certain thing was there or video footage on YouTube or something to verify that this was there. Like when they talk about Jose's cousin, the Barker bird that was outside the Tiki room originally, like I saw pictures of it. So I know it was true, but there has been 15 Wikipedia pages that have used my book as a reference for those pages. And some of them would be for Ariel, Bell, Mulan, John Candy, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, uh, Disney Dollars, The Golden Age of Animation. There's just a, there's a lot of them. One of them is the, one of the voice actors, uh, Ernie Newton from The Tiki Room. Like nobody made a page for him talking about him being a tiki bird. And so then somebody created a page and then, put in his acting history and then referenced my book saying that he was one of the tiki birds. There was no photos on Jack Lindquist on his page. And then somebody used a picture of, um, that I took of his pumpkin from Goofy's, uh, jack-o'-lantern patch patch in, uh, Toontown. And that's on his page now with my fun fact about his face being in Goofy's pumpkin patch. So that's, it's really cool to see, my name out there with stuff and nobody's made those connections before, but because I wanted all the information I could find in one spot, it was, it's all in one area. Mm -hmm. That's awesome that you did that. Just, you know, there's value in that. People don't always realize, you know, that's, you don't always have to be, have original things to say, just collecting information and putting it all in one spot is, is valuable and awesome. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my next question was, um, do you, do you feel like, you know, because it is the collection, I'm sure there's some things that you wish you would have been able to add. Do you feel like there's, what would have been that one thing or two things that you would have added if you could go back? I would have made the movie fun facts section longer. Like I've learned more stuff since I've written it. I've learned more things like what I had said I had learned yesterday about the park. So I just wish that there was more information available to me back then when I was doing my research. Because even though it got published in 2010, I started writing in 2006 and I didn't go back and double – research the same stuff that I looked at just because time had passed. So unless I learned something new. So after I wrote the section about Pirates of the Caribbean, I would just look for new information rather than going back and verifying the stuff that I had already researched and written, you know, a couple years before. I would have written mini biographies about some of the the Imagineers that worked on this on the attractions and stuff. I did I did little 
things for them in the fun facts section of the book. So like if I talked about uh, the voice actor Thrill Ravenscroft, who's in at least a dozen attractions in Disneyland, like I just would say the same stuff in those fun facts about his history rather than saying, see page 110 for his full biography. And I would, I would change that. I would go back and do that again. You think there's going to be another edition of your book? Yes, there is. I, I am actually working on a second edition, but it's tough to sit down and, and write. There's so much I want to add and I don't want to leave anything out that I just, I want to, I'm taking my time. I'm going to get it done right this time. Not that it wasn't right last time. It's still a complete book, but I have extra stuff I want to put in and I want to make sure it's all there and I don't want to miss anything. So I have been working on it for a while. I just I have no idea when it's going to be done. Yeah, it's not easy. You know, that Disneyland wasn't meant to be a museum. So things change. And I'm sure it's just like Disney World. Things are changed and updated all the time. So it's hard to keep up. So Oh, yeah. Well, actually, the right before I sent my PDF document out to my publisher, they took out Honey, I Shrunk the Audience and brought back Captain EO. And I was like, no, I don't know anything about Captain EO. So I had to delete an entire section for Honey, I Shrunk the Audience and then find information about Captain EO. And like at the time, I didn't even know who Terry Hardin was. I, I met her now and I know all the work she did on the movie. And I wrote stuff up, up about her, but now Captain EO has gone. So what I want to do now is actually expand my attractions of the past section and add in fun facts for all those attractions that are gone which is just going to make the book a lot longer, but it gives me a lot more to research. So instead of me looking up the like 85 attractions that are there now, I'm going to have to look up the 120 attractions that aren't there anymore. Well, I happen to know a good uh, film documentaries <laughs> that uh, cover some of those, uh, some of those things that you're uh, looking for. Oh, Great information. Accurate information. <laughs> accurate. In oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to be watching all of those. <laughs> So, Joshua, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do um, on your day job when you're not writing. Well, I actually work for uh, the animal shelter in our county. And coming up here in five days will be my 16-year anniversary there. And actually, one day I was cleaning cat cages, and these two little ladies came in. And they said, are you the guy that wrote the Disneyland book? And I said, yes. They said, we bought it on Amazon. We were wondering if you could autograph it. And I was like, sure, I'll autograph it. So I signed their book and they took a picture with me. And it was like really cool to just have somebody like recognize me and come up to me for that. It happened at the movies once, too. I was sitting in line to watch uh, the Avengers. And this girl came up to me when I was sitting on the ground because I waited for 12 hours for the movie with my friends. And she said, are you the guy who wrote that Disneyland book? And I said, this one? Because I happen to have it there with me. And she said, yeah. Do you remember me? You helped me adopt two puppies. Uh, how long ago was that? And she's like, I was like six months ago. Um, no, I don't remember you. Thousands of people come through here. But it was just cool that she remembered me for that. And it's happened a couple other times. Um. Just a couple weeks ago, my uncle called me from from uh, Los Gatos down by San Jose, and he said that he had some people at his table who were had like Disney stuff with them, like you know, like a shirt or whatever. And he said, "You guys like Disney?" And 
they said, yeah, we're huge Disney fans. And he's like, well, my nephew wrote a book about Disneyland. And they're like, what's his name? And he's like, Joshua Schaefer. So they looked it up and they're like, oh, we have his book. And it's like, that's far away from me. That's like totally a separate part of California. And it's just cool to know that my books made it out that way. It's a fantastic book. Everyone should have this book. But um, I'm curious, who did you write the book for? Who was your target audience? I actually wrote it for people who like to know stuff about Disney. Just like, I mean, age-wise, I've had kids who just learned how to read read it. I sent it to somebody, and his second grader read through the entire thing in two days, which is just amazing to me because I couldn't sit and read that much. I'm not a huge reader, but... um, that's just a lot of reading. I've had older people read through the entire thing. I actually picked the font size for older people. I printed out a sheet with different font sizes and font types on it. And I took it to a couple people. One of them was my mom. And I said, which font size do you like better? And we went with font size 11 of Times New Roman because that's what they use for newspaper print. Because apparently it's the easier font for your brain to read, which is why they use it for newspapers, which I didn't know about until I was yeah. printing. Now I do have other fonts in there besides that, like the the heads of the uh, each attraction section has a different font pertaining to the attraction, or like the fun facts is done in the Fantasyland font, and just to make it you know a little special. And there's pictures too. There's about 110 photos in the book too. What what's your favorite section of the book? Give us an example of what's in your book. Page 126 uh, starts the fun fact section of the book. That's my favorite because that's what I wrote the book for. Uh, The attraction fun facts. Um, The movie fun facts are earlier on, but I wrote it for the attraction fun facts. I mostly like Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion myself, so there happens to be more information about them. But because they are such huge attractions and there was so much time put into making them that there's more information to go with them. And do you do you find that um, people ask you questions now because you've kind of established yourself as an expert online and everywhere else? Do, do people ask you about uh, different facts like you should just have it all in your head all the time? <laughs> Actually, uh, yes. Uh, people do call me at random or they'll tag me in posts on Facebook um, with questions like someone will post that they're going to Disneyland and they'll say, Josh, have you seen this? And then they'll tag me in it. I've been at work and I get called to another part of the building because they're trying to find out the name of the seagull from the little mermaid. And I'm like, that scuttles. Now I'm going back to clean. You know, it's like er- everywhere. There's people just, they call me, they actually, they call me Mr. Disney at work. So, um, yeah, I have kind of filled that. And if I don't know the answer, I'll try to find it, which I can usually do because I've, I've done so much research, I know where to look and what to look for. And I keep the PDF of my book on my phone so I can reference it. So your book has a lot of information pertaining to Disneyland and the rides and attractions that are there and have been there. Are there any behind-the-scenes information that you might have within your book? Well, I did get to go on a tour of the Dream Suite and Club 33 when I had lunch there. So I got some, you know insider view of my own of that but uh, a lot of the information that would be behind the scenes because i personally don't know any of the imagineers or animators that work for disney so i don't know i don't get like secret information that other people don't 
but because I read so much information information elsewhere, people have a tendency to post what they know. Like I did meet one of the Imagineers that's working on Star Wars land. Uh, he was in line with me at the Matterhorn and he told me like when the they're expecting the land to be open and nobody really knows that because Disney hasn't officially announced it yet, but he told me when the soft opening and hard opening is. So I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. And uh, he told me some other things, but after he said he was working on Star Wars Land, I wasn't really paying attention to the other stuff he said. So Joshua, we all want to know when that date is. Can you share that date with us? Well, he said that the soft opening was expected to be... Oh, thank you for sharing that. We can't wait to uh, see Star Wars Land. By the way, just out of curiosity, what's your thought on Star Wars Land? I'm just curious. Well, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so I'm excited for it. I am sad that they took out the petting zoo because I like seeing the goats and the uh, pardoned turkey every Thanksgiving from the president. But those are gone now, and they quit having the reindeer, and I like seeing those around Christmas time too. So I, I'm excited for it. And as soon as it opens, I'm going to be going there. So, Joshua, how can people get your books and what kind of uh, events can we expect to see you at? Well, you can get my book from my website, DiscoveringTheMagicKingdom.com, or you can get it on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, pretty much any other website out there if you want. Uh, It does cost more because they have to make a profit as well. My book does have returnability now, which I was just able to add this last February. So now big chain bookstores can actually carry it on shelf, whereas they couldn't before. So you might actually see it if you go into your local bookstore, if there's any left. To see me in person, I'm actually going to be at the uh, Disneyana convention this July uh, down in Anaheim. And I'll have a table there uh, signing my book and answering questions. The last time I was there in February was just, it was tons of fun. I, I talked to Disney the entire day. Everybody had questions for me. People tried to stump me. I got stumped a couple times. People out there who know a lot about Disney as well, but it was a great time. I have book signings up, up by where I live too, uh, occasionally, but my next one up here in Northern California is going to be at the MouseCon convention in november at the concord hilton well josh uh, we are excited about sharing this interview with our uh, listeners thank you so much for your time today we really appreciate you being with us you are welcome anytime and we'll absolutely put links in the show notes uh to how everybody can get your book and follow you online and uh, we'll be in touch we look forward to uh, your next edition coming back out and we'll have you back on the show for that well thank you very much (laughs) We want to thank you for joining us on the Magic Behind the Ears podcast. If you want to get more information about my DVDs, you can click on over to www.themeparkology.com. And if you want to get a copy of my book, just visit discoveringthemagickingdom.com. Thank you again for joining us. We look forward to talking to you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Magic Behind the Ears podcast with your hosts, Jerry Cornell and Joshua Schaefer. Theme song music montage was created by James Presley. All interviews were acquired by Theme Parkology. The Magic Behind the Ears podcast is in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company in any way.
all rights reserved for their respective owners.